Let us turn in the scriptures to the psalm which we just sang, Psalm 132. We'll read together the whole psalm, Psalm 132. Lord, remember David and all his afflictions, how he swore unto the Lord and vowed unto the mighty God of Jacob. Surely I will not come into the tabernacle of my house, nor go up into my bed. I will not give sleep to mine eyes or slumber to mine eyelids until I find out a place for the Lord and habitation for the mighty God of Jacob. Lo, we heard of it at Ephratah. We found it in the fields of the wood. We will go into his tabernacles. We will worship at his footstool. Arise, O Lord, Into thy rest, thou and the ark of thy strength. Let thy priests be clothed with righteousness, and let thy saints shout for joy. For thy servant David's sake, turn not away the face of thine anointed. The Lord hath sworn in truth unto David, he will not turn from it. Of the fruit of thy body will I set upon thy throne. If thy children will keep my covenant, and my testimony that I shall teach them, Their children shall also sit upon thy throne forevermore. For the Lord hath chosen Zion, he hath desired it for his habitation. This is my rest forever. Here will I dwell, for I have desired it. I will abundantly bless her provision. I will satisfy her poor with bread. I will also clothe her priests with salvation, and her saints shall shout aloud for joy. There will I make the horn of David to bud. I have ordained a lamp for mine anointed. His enemies will I clothe with shame, but upon himself shall his crown flourish. On the basis of this psalm and the entire scriptures, we consider Lord's Day 50 of the Heidelberg Catechism. Question 125 asks, which is the fourth petition? Give us this day our daily bread. That is, be pleased to provide us with all things necessary for the body, that we may thereby acknowledge thee to be the only fountain of all good, and that neither our care nor industry, nor even thy gifts, can profit us without thy blessing. And therefore, that we may withdraw our trust from all creatures and place it in, and place it alone in thee. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, in the fourth petition, our Lord and Master designs to lead us further into willing submission to our God and to our King. As he has taught us how to pray in his model prayer, He has set before us, first things first, our primary concern and preoccupation ought to be the glorification of God's name, which glorification comes through the coming of his kingdom and the doing of his will. 
And in teaching us to pray those petitions, our Lord has taught us more and more as his trusting children, as well as his loyal citizens, to look to our Father King to accomplish his will and provide all things necessary for our spiritual salvation. But our Lord would have us submit to our Father and our King, and to trust him not only for those first things, but also for all things pertaining to our life and existence as his creatures, and especially as his children. And so the model prayer does not conclude after the third petition, nor does it jump to the fifth petition, but sets at the middle of the prayer, the fourth petition, our prayer for bread. And here the Lord Jesus shows us the concern our Father King has for our creaturely needs and addresses the pressing present needs that we feel each day of our earthly life. The need that we have for things of this earth. The things that by God's creative design are necessary for earthly life to have the strength needed to pursue the callings thou dost give us according to God's will. We're taught to pray for bread and all that is comprehended under bread. This, too, is important in its proper place. And so we turn to that now. We turn to the fourth petition that our Lord Jesus may instruct us concerning bread, instruct us concerning things material, and the proper place of our heartfelt prayers for such things. Give us our daily bread. That's our theme. Give us our daily bread. Let's look first at what we ask for. Then secondly, how we ask for it. And there we're going to focus especially on the manner of our asking. And then finally, what we ask for with it. In the fourth petition, Jesus teaches us to ask God for bread. We all know what bread is and intuitively understand what bread stands for. Bread is the most basic food. It's the staple of the human diet in many places throughout the world. Bread is a hearty food. It provides the nutrients that our physical bodies need to live, to be healthy, and to function properly. We need bread. And we all understand that bread is a heading. It doesn't just stand for hearty, nourishing food, but it stands for all things in general that our bodies need to be healthy and strong. It's a heading for necessities. And a passage like 1 Timothy 6 verse 8 breaks down our earthly or physical necessities into two broad categories. 1 Timothy 6 verse 8, where Paul says, Having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. Comprehended under bread are those two broad categories of earthly necessities, food and raiment. Raiment standing for shelter, that which protects us from the elements. Shelter includes clothing, the clothing that we wear upon our bodies to protect them from the heat and from the cold 
as well as the homes that we have, shelter to protect us from the elements in the weather, a dwelling place. Those things belong to our needs. The idea of bread then is essentials, food and drink, clothing and shelter, the essential things without which we cannot live. But the things with which we need nothing else, the essentials. Now, in our modern day and age, bread comprehends beneath it a few other basic needs. Implied here is adequate income to purchase our bread, since, since most of us do not grow the wheat used to produce bread, and most of us do not have mills with which to grind that wheat and make the flour for our bread. We need income and a stable job by which to earn it. We need transportation to and from work. Income sufficient to raise a family in the fear of the Lord and to be faithful in our stations and callings. All of this is comprehended under the term bread, our essentials, the necessities of life. And the exact identity of that daily bread may vary according to our position and season of life. An aged saint might not need the same portion of bread as a young family with many covenant children who are being raised and being sent to the good Christian school. Daily bread differs according to the place God gives us in this world. Differs in its quantity. Differs in some of the things that are comprehended under the heading of bread. Yet nonetheless, every single one of us need our food and drink, raiment, clothing, shelter, adequate income for necessities. That's what Jesus teaches us to pray for in the fourth petition. In teaching us to pray the fourth petition, Jesus directs our attention to our creaturely neediness. We have real creaturely need. And this is something our Lord Jesus must do because of our proneness to think higher of ourselves than we ought to think. We are creatures. And even though man was created by God as the pinnacle of God's creation, we still belong to the category of creature. Man is not an animal, but man is a creature like the animals are. And as such, we are not gods. We are not self-existent. We do not have the power by which to perpetuate our own lives. We are needy creatures dependent upon a provider. And the fourth petition impresses this reality upon us. We cannot create bread out of nothing. We need to be given our bread. We're creatures of the earth earthy. That's the name of our race. You think of our first father, the first man. God gave him a name, Adam. And when God gives a name, there's revelation in that name. And you likely know that the name Adam means red earth. That's God's description of our human nature. We are, as 1 Corinthians 15 verse 47 says, of the earth earthy. That's our constitution. Our very word human comes from the word humus. Soil, dirt, earth. That's what we are. Earthy creatures. We're earthbound. We live on the earth and we live out of the earth. Our earthy bodies depend upon the earth, its environment, the sun's warmth, the air to breathe, the water to drink, the fruits of the earth to fill our stomachs, to give us strength and nourishment so that we function 
as God calls us to in our callings in this world. It can't be otherwise because we are creatures. That's part of God's original design. Let your mind go back to Genesis 1 verse 29 where God said to Adam and to Eve, Behold, I have given you every herb-bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree-yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat. God created us this way. To need bread. And because God created us this way, we have the calling to go to our Creator For the bread that we need. We can't produce it of ourselves. We mustn't try to depend on ourselves. Or upon any other creature. But we must turn to our creator. Who knows the earthy frame that he created. Who remembers that we are dust. And the wonderful truth that the fourth petition teaches us implicitly. Is that God cares about such earthy things. As bread. God cares. About our earthy frame. Our physical bodies. God concerns himself. With these things. Not only as our creator. But now more importantly. As our father. He does not merely view us. As creatures to be sustained. By his providence. Though that is what we are. But he views us as something more. As children purchased by the precious blood. Of his only begotten son. Who are not merely to be sustained and supported by his providence. But who are to be given their daily bread out of his love, favor and special goodness. He cares for us more than an owner cares for his prized possession. He cares for us as a parent cares for beloved children. And that impresses upon us not only God's ability to provide for us as almighty God. But it impresses upon us his willingness. As loving father. He made you body and soul. He redeemed you body and soul. God cares for the whole person. The priority of the spiritual. That we've observed in the arrangement of the six petitions. The spiritual is first and has priority. Nevertheless the priority of the spiritual does not mean a neglect of the physical. God cares for the body. Implied then is that we ought to care for it too. And so Jesus teaches us, go to God and pray for bread. And these are the words you are to use. Give us this day our daily bread. And that prayer comes from a deep sense of one's creaturely need and childlike dependence. One more thing to observe in our first point, what we ask for. We've looked at what bread is. We've looked at our need for bread. But let's also notice that the Lord Jesus intentionally chooses certain words to include in the fourth petition. He doesn't simply teach us to pray, give us bread. But he teaches us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. And those other words that the Lord clusters around that which we pray for, those other words are meant to qualify the bread that we pray for. 
And so in the first place, we notice the two day words. Give us this day our daily bread. What Jesus is teaching us here is that we are to pray for bread for today. Our focus is on today. While the scriptures do indeed counsel us to take prudent forethought for the future, we are not to travel so far down the future that we get stuck there and are always worrying about what might be there. No, Jesus counsels us and calls us to focus on today. That doesn't mean we forget about tomorrow or that we're neglectful of tomorrow, but it means our focus ought to be on today and today's bread. Father, give me my bread today, the bread I need for life today, and I will trust you to do the same tomorrow. I pray, give us this day our daily bread, and as thy will is, I will pray the same petition tomorrow, confident that thou wilt provide for me tomorrow. This is a petition Jesus designs for us to pray daily so that we may daily depend upon our God. Give us this day. Jesus here hedges in, puts boundaries on our thoughts and cares, and puts a restraint upon our worries. Trust God to provide for you today, as he did yesterday, as he will do tomorrow. Give us this day. Our daily bread. What I need today. My daily portion. For tomorrow. I trust you to do the same. A couple things flow out of these two words. This day. And daily. Means the fourth petition. Our prayer for bread. Is a prayer for needs. Not wants. That is. Jesus addresses the quality. Of the bread for which we are to pray for. For needs not for wants. You could picture it this way. Two jars or two cups. And on one you write. What I must have. What I need. What I can't live without. And on the other jar or cup you write. What I want. What I really can live without. Our prayer. Is for that which we need. Bread. Our human tendency is to want to take all of the things in this jar, which has a lot more contents than this one, and pour them over into here. But Jesus says, no, give us this day our daily bread. You may have wants. It's not necessarily wrong to want things, provided that that wanting is in its proper bounds, hasn't become covetousness or envy. But when you go to God and pray for your material needs, you're focused on Things that are your true needs. What your body needs to live. So that you may be strong and healthy. And carry out your calling faithfully. Jesus here forces us to undergo that good and proper exercise of distinguishing needs from wants. And so this means we pray for food. But common, sufficient food, not Delicacies that we may want. It means we pray for shelter, a comfortable home. But that comfortable home does not necessarily need to be a million dollar mansion. We pray for that transportation to get from work and school. But that transportation is a car that adequately runs and is adequately reliable. Not necessarily the latest thing to come 
out of the factory. Needs, not wants. Now for sure, God sometimes, even in our day of prosperity, oftentimes gives us beyond our needs. He even gives us luxuries and there's nothing inherently wrong with possessing such things or enjoying them. Every good gift of God is to be received with thanksgiving. But we're to pray fervently when God gives us beyond our needs. Pray fervently that we not set our hearts on those things. That we not, through enjoyment of them, transfer them from the want category to the need category because we're so accustomed to those luxuries. And we are to pray that the Lord will give us wisdom to faithfully use what he gives us above and beyond our needs because to those who are given much, Much is required. God may give wine and oil along with our bread. And that is good. And we receive it with thankfulness. And we enjoy it with thankfulness. But we don't set our hearts on the wine and the oil. Jesus doesn't say give us this day our daily wine, bread and oil. He says give us this day our daily bread. So Jesus teaches us to distinguish our needs from our wants and to pray for our needs while we leave it to his providence, whether he is pleased to give us beyond that. Another thing that comes out of this day and daily is that we pray for enough, not for excess. The fourth petition instructs us not only as to the quality of our bread, but also to the quantity As we saw, the possession of riches is not wrong when God is pleased to give it. But the restless desire to be rich is wrong and warned against, as 1 Timothy 6 verse 9 teaches us. But they that will be rich, and the words will be rich there means they who want to be rich, desire and yearn to be rich, fall into temptation and a snare into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. Give us this day our daily bread that is enough for my needs. Sufficient in quantity. As the wise sage Agur says, inspired by the Spirit in Proverbs 30 verses 8 and 9, Remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food convenient for me. And the word convenient there doesn't mean what's easy. But it means what's fitting. What is suitable to me in my present circumstances. Such that that food is exactly what I need. And doesn't expose me to the inherent dangers In either poverty or riches. For there are inherent dangers in both. As Agur goes on to say in verse 9. Lest I be full and deny thee and say. Who is the Lord? There is the danger of riches. Our hearts become fixed on those riches. And those riches become our God. Or we take those riches for granted. So accustomed as we are to them. That we forget to depend upon the God who gave them. Who is the Lord? But then also the danger inherent in poverty. Or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. The wisdom of the proverb is what Jesus teaches in the fourth petition. Pray for your daily bread. Desire that of your father enough, not excess. Needs, not wants. And leave it to his wise providence. 
should he be pleased to give you above and beyond. Give us this day our daily bread. To wrap up the first point, that word our. Our daily bread. Don't miss that. It's important. Our daily bread. It shows us again that the fourth petition is a child's petition. It is the petition of one adopted in the blood of Jesus Christ. We call upon God as Father, not merely as Creator. As God's children, we have a certain claim on our Father's bread because of the legal relationship that has been established between Him and us. That claim is not one that we have inherently. It's a claim that we have because of what Jesus Christ has done through the shedding of his blood. He has redeemed us from sin and death and he has brought us into that covenant relationship with God so that we are his children and he is our father. And now as his blood-bought children, we have a certain claim on bread. Just as a father must provide for his children, so God must provide for his children because of what the work of Jesus Christ has secured for us. Our bread, in a very real sense, is a blessing of Christ. We have a claim upon bread. And so we ask here for our bread, that is our allotted portion of the Father's bread. That we have a claim on the Father's bread doesn't mean we get to dictate to the Father how much bread we get, or when we get the bread, or what kind of bread. No. We have a claim to the portion that Father sovereignly and wisely chooses to give us. He decides when, what, how much to give, as is his fatherly right. But there's childlike confidence in this petition. Give us this day our daily bread. We don't go to God wondering if he's going to give it or whether he's not. We go to him confidently knowing as a father, he will give us what we need according to his wisdom. And so there's implied here contentment. Contentment is the spiritual posture from which we must pray the fourth petition. We don't say, give us this day their daily bread, looking enviously at the neighbor, how much bread the neighbor has, the quality of the neighbor's goods, and with an eye of envy say, I want that, Father, give me that. No, we say, Father, give me what you have appointed for me. And I rest content with that. How we ask for it. We turn now to the manner. The manner. The manner in which we are to ask for bread from our Father. There's two main ideas I want to focus our attention here. First is trust. And the second is submission to our Father's will. For the way in which bread is to come into our possession. Trust and submission. Looking at trust first. The fourth petition is a petition of heartfelt trust. That is part of the design of the petition. It is to orient our souls to God who is, as the catechism describes, the fountain of all good. Not just the fountain, but the only fountain of all good. This petition is designed to focus us upon the one who is the only giver of bread. The one who is the Lord and giver of life, and the one who is the Lord and giver of all of the provisions and means by which we live. 
Give us this day our daily bread. That first word, that imperative verb is so very important. It's an expression of trust. Give. And that implies my trust that the one to whom I speak, this God, is able and willing to give. When we say give, we acknowledge God as the giver. As James 1 verse 17 says, the giver of every good and perfect gift. We look to him as the giver of all spiritual good. All the blessings of salvation are God's free gift. The most fundamental bread, Jesus Christ, who is the bread of life. He is the free gift of God's grace to us. A gift, not a wage we earn, a gift. But so too our physical bread, earthly bread, our food, our drink, our raiment, our shelter, all of it is a gift from God, the giver. And the fourth petition is designed to impress that upon us. And beloved, let it be impressed upon you. That every earthly thing that crosses into your hands, that comes into your hands, it's a gift from God. And you're beholden to Him as to how you use it. It's a gift from God and thus He is the one who is supremely and absolutely trustworthy. He is the one to whom you are to look for your bread and for the provision of your needs. And thus not only must we acknowledge our own creatureliness and our dependence, but we must withdraw, as the catechism says, withdraw our trust from all creatures and depend entirely and only upon God to provide us our daily bread. He's the only one who can. He's the only one who will. Yes, God uses means to bestow upon us our daily bread. The temptation can be to trust the means rather than the giver who uses the means. We mustn't do that. God uses rain and sunshine to cause the crops to grow. God uses work and business to put your income into your hands and into your bank account. But we don't trust any of those things. None of those things are the giver. God is the giver who uses a diversity of means according to his pleasure to give his gifts to us. But none of those means are to be trusted. We are to look past them to him alone who is the only fountain of all good. Don't transfer to the creature the trust and the credit that belongs only to the Creator and to your Father. Trust the hand of God that employs the means to give you your daily bread. Psalm 104 verse 21 says, The young lions roar after their prey and seek their meat from God. That's a very interesting verse. Even the lions in their own way know To seek their meat from the hand of God. How much more ought blood-bought children 
such as we are, trust and depend upon our Heavenly Father. The Catechism's language of acknowledging God as the only fountain of all good, in whom we are to trust and depend, that language of acknowledgement is worth reflecting on just a little bit more. In our day, in our present prosperity, even though that prosperity this year and the past year or so has been shaken a little bit, nonetheless, we live in a day and age of prosperity. In that prosperity, do we sufficiently acknowledge God to be the only fountain of all good? Jesus, in this petition, would have us think about that. Because of the inherent danger of prosperity, which as we saw in the words of the proverb, is to blind us so that we don't see or consciously look to the hand that gives it all. Do we acknowledge where all the things that we have comes from? We do in our prayers, before our meals, and that's good. It is our good custom to thank God for our daily bread and acknowledge Him as the overflowing fountain of all good before we partake of any meal. In fact, the fourth petition is probably the first petition we teach our little children. We teach them to thank God for this food and drink, followed by the fifth petition, and forgive my sins for Jesus' sake. Amen. But does that live in our hearts and our souls? so that the fourth petition centers us each day each day I depend on God I look to him I trust him for the food on the table for the food in the pantry for the income that's going to come from this day's work does that live in our hearts and minds let it that's part of walking by faith part of honoring God and hallowing his name. When we don't take these things for granted, but rather consciously depend and look to and honor the one who grants them out of his goodness to us. An inherent danger in times of plenty is the appearance of idol givers. Those means again, which so easily supplant the giver. Me and my work, that's what's gotten me my income. And it's easy not to look past that. You didn't get it. It wasn't your hard work that got it. We'll talk about work in a minute. But it was God that gave it. You must look past to the giver. It's not the government. It's not the employee. It's not our sophisticated infrastructure or our industrial economy that gives us our bread. It's God. The fourth petition directs us to live with a deep consciousness of that and to consider it to be part of our family worship and to be a part of my personal worship day by day to acknowledge God as the giver of my daily bread. And then when there's economic hardship, when there's economic challenges, We rest on that foundation. God is the giver. And he knows what he's doing. We feel that a little bit, don't we? We're still prosperous, and yet we've felt the squeeze of inflation lately. And for some of us, that's hurt. It's hurt pretty bad, even. And yet, 
God gives us our daily bread. We mustn't fret. So easy to fret. What's going to happen in the future? Where is this going to go? What's going to happen with the economy? How bad will the predicted recession be? Whatever whatever may vex us, Jesus gives us a petition that centers us and stabilizes us. Give us this day our daily bread. Our bread doesn't come from any of these things. It comes from the giver who's sovereign. God isn't thwarted by a recession. Inflation doesn't get in God's way of giving us our daily bread. God's the one who sovereignly caused all these things for his own purpose, and we must remember that too. Sometimes God squeezes us for the precise purpose of reminding us of this. Trust me. Trust me. Not these things, not these people. Trust me. And so when God squeezes us, we mustn't fret or we mustn't doubt Father's goodness to us, but we must see what he's doing. He's teaching us to trust him and he's showing us how trustworthy he is. Let's remember that when we face economic troubles and hardships. The young newlyweds who are trying to buy a house and it seems so hard, the market is bad. For the Christian family struggling under that blessed burden of Christian school tuition. It's a blessing, but it can be heavy. And for all of the economic cares that we face. Give us this day our daily bread. Remember the giver. Trust him. And in those times when he squeezes and presses. He's not forsaking you. He's not going back on his promise to provide. He's teaching you to trust. We come to the second thing that I want to emphasize in connection with the manner of praying the fourth petition. That is submission to God's revealed way in which he is pleased to give us our daily bread. And here we come back to the whole idea of work. The catechism brings this up when it speaks about our care in industry. And industry especially refers to Being industrious, that is being diligent in business and in our work, our daily occupation. We've noticed that our daily bread is a free gift of God, and at this point we re-emphasize that. Bread is not something we earn from God by any work that we do. It is a gift that comes from his own goodness. It flows from the fountain of all good, which is our God. And yet, nonetheless, God is pleased to give us our bread in a certain way, in a certain manner. That is, in the way of our care and industry. We understand that. God calls man to work. And the man who works is the man who eats. Genesis 3, verse 19. God said, In the sweat of thy face thou shalt eat bread. Sweat there stands for work. Hard work in the sweat of your face. That is, in the way of sweating in hard work, you shall eat bread. That's the way in which God is pleased to bestow bread upon us. Work is not the consequence of the curse. Toil is. Work was there before the fall. God created us to work. Work is good. But now after the fall, there is toil, there is weariness, there is hardship in our work. But nonetheless, God's will is, in the sweat of your face you shall eat 
bread. Work is the way in which God is pleased to give us the bread that we have not earned, but which he gives of his own goodness. And so when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we must partner that petition with the diligent use of the means that God supplies us for acquiring our bread. We may not be the sluggard who stays at home and who indulges in pleasure or gives himself inordinately to his hobbies and neglects work. We may not be that person and still pray, give us this day our daily bread. Proverbs 12 verse 11 says, He that tilleth his land shall be satisfied with bread, but he that followeth vain persons is void of understanding. The wise man labors faithfully in his vocation and calling according to his station in life. There's a calling especially to fathers to be the breadwinners of their home, to be diligent in that labor. There's a calling to young people as they come to the years when they can go out and get a job to learn how to work hard and to get a job in preparation for when you will have a home of your own, Lord willing. God created us to work, and work is good, work is wholesome. Yes, we need recreation, and there's a place for that. We need rest, we need recreation, we need refreshment, but our calling is to work. And God's revealed will is that in the way of working, we shall eat bread. Let not man try to put asunder the things God has joined together. But as we labor, we must remember that our labor doesn't put God under obligation. God is sovereignly free to give us bread as he pleases, and to prosper our labor as he pleases. The fourth petition is always subject to the third. Let's remember that order. It's an intentional order. Give us this day our daily bread, thy will be done in the matter of bread also. That means the Father's will determines how my bread comes to me, how prosperous my labor is. And there are times when God in his wisdom, wisdom which is sometimes inscrutable to us, when God doesn't prosper our labor, or God's providence brings a loss of a job, Or God's providence brings the failure of a business venture. Or God's providence brings economic hardship despite our hard work. When that happens, it's not because God has forsaken us. It's not because God has turned his back on us. It's not because God is being a bad father. Remember the application we made earlier. When God squeezes, when God afflicts, it's for our good. It's fatherly chastening to teach us to trust him. Proverbs 22 verse 2. The rich and poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. God makes poor and he makes rich. And in our earthly pilgrimage, there are times when he leads us through a valley of relative poverty according to his will. The psalm that we read, 
Psalm 132, verse 15. I will abundantly bless her provision. I will satisfy her poor with bread. The psalm makes there the same point that Jesus did. The poor you will always have with you. We must understand that contrary to the teaching of the false prosperity gospel, the fact that God is our Father and the overflowing fountain of all good does not guarantee we are going to have an abundance of earthly things all the time, in every season of our life. God's far too wise to do that. God knows that seasons of scarcity are good for us. God knows that sometimes those hardships are exactly what we need. God is far too wise to give us everything we want, everything we ask for, all the time. But as the psalm says in in verse 15 of Psalm 132, we have that beautiful word of God, I will satisfy her poor with bread. Even when God leads us through those valleys of economic hardship or times of relative poverty, He's there with us and He will provide. Even if it's a little, a sufficient little for us. Even if it means we have to go to the church. That's part of his provision. Something not to be viewed as shameful. There's a reason God has put the ministry of mercy in the church. The diaconate. The deacons represent Jesus Christ as the merciful high priest. Who cares not only for the soul but also for the body. The mercies of Christ are there within the covenant community. We pray together give us this day our daily bread. And praying that petition as a church means we're committed together to providing for the poor in our midst. Or those who are going through a season of economic hardship. That means is there. And it's one means God uses To satisfy the poor of Zion with bread. And so the stigma that sometimes is attached to going to the deacons is a stigma that must be removed. It's an improper stigma. Because going to the deacons is going to Christ in a time of need. And so the fourth petition ought to impress itself upon our consciousness in that way too. We pray, give us this day our daily bread. Pray that together. We look out for one another in the body of Christ. We help one another. Have a care for one another in things spiritual and in things material. And so that's the manner. In the first place, trust. In the second place, submission to God's revealed way in which he is pleased to give us our daily bread. Implied in the fourth petition is an exhortation to work diligently, but not to trust in our own work, and not to be distraught when our work is not as prosperous as we think it ought to be. Trust Father. Lastly, we consider what we ask for with our bread. More important than bread itself is what we ask for with it. As the Catechism points out, God's blessing. God's blessing. His word of favor. Answer 125. Neither care nor industry, nor even thy gifts, can profit us without thy blessing. The idea is that 
bare bread will not serve our ultimate and eternal good unless it is accompanied by God's word of blessing based upon the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Bare bread does you no good without the blood of Jesus Christ. Psalm 132, verse 15, God says, I will abundantly bless her provision. That's the idea the Catechism brings out. That provision, which stands for the supply of all of Israel's material needs, that provision will not truly prosper Israel unless God abundantly blesses it. And that's the abundance we ought to be most concerned about. Notice the language. I will abundantly bless. It's not I will bless her abundant provision. Sometimes God's will is not to give us an abundant provision. Sometimes we must sing the little that the righteous hold is better far than wealth untold of many wicked men. Sometimes it's a little provision. Just sufficient. What's important is God's blessing and the abundance of that blessing. And that God promises us for the sake of Jesus Christ. I will abundantly bless her provision. I will satisfy her poor with bread. And that's what brings us real satisfaction in all things. Knowing the blessing of God that is ours in Jesus Christ. That satisfies the soul. God's blessing is his word of favor. It's the word of the gospel declaring... You are reconciled to me, your God, and abide under my loving kindness and favor to you. You are saved in the blood of Jesus Christ. That's God's blessing. It's his word of favor, a powerful word of favor that turns everything to our good and makes all things subservient to our salvation. God's word is a powerful word. God's word is creative. God's word makes things happen. And when God speaks a word of favor over his people, that Word turns all things in the direction of his favor. It directs all things for our ultimate good. To have God's blessing with our bread means that God directs our bread to our salvation. God's blessing we see is distinct from the gift of bread. God gives good gifts, but God's blessing is not found in the gifts themselves. The same rain falls on the wicked and the righteous. The same sun shines upon the elect and the reprobate. God gives bread to both. But God's blessing is not merely in the bread as the wrong doctrine of common grace would teach. There is not a common favor of God to all men. That's to be found in things. But God's blessing is something that he accompanies his good gifts. God's blessing is something he gives only to those who are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. His elect for whom he sent Christ into the world to save. God's blessing comes to us through Christ. And as we pray the fourth petition, therefore, we pray this petition under the cross. With the understanding that only because of the blood of Christ. Can this bread 
profit me. The wicked of the world who have an abundance of bread, they eat and drink and are merry, but they eat and drink judgment unto themselves because they receive not that bread with thanksgiving. They use that bread in the service of self. They eat and drink in the service of sin. They eat and drink and use God's good gifts against God. And for that they will be held accountable on the last day. The child of God eats and drinks under the shade of the cross. The blood of Christ makes all the difference in the matter of bread. Without that blood, our bread would be a curse. But with the blood, our bread is blessed, and we are blessed in the eating of it. The blood of Christ took away the handwriting of our sin that was against us, and put in its place the handwriting of adoption, so that adopted by His blood, we receive bread now as children receive from a father. And Father gives that bread. For the good, for the nourishment, for the strengthening, for the salvation of His children. Cling to Christ by faith. Take refuge under the covert of his shed blood. And eat your bread, thankfully under the shadow of the cross, confident of his blessing. In Christ, we pray, give us this day our daily bread. And in Christ, we rest assured that God will abundantly bless his provision. Amen. Faithful God and Heavenly Father, as our Lord has taught us how to pray for bread, so we pray, give us this day our daily bread, and grant with it thy blessing, that for the sake of Christ and his shed blood, the bread which thou dost give us may truly tend to our eternal good, Grant, Father, thy mercy to those in our midst who struggle to find their daily bread or who face economic hardship. Turn their attention to thee and that they may put their trust in thee, the giver of every good and perfect gift. Hear our prayer for Jesus' sake. Amen.